Hi and welcome. This recording comes from Freedom Church Chester. If you want to hear more from us, go to newfrontierschester.org. Guys, hello and welcome to Freedom Church. It's the first Sunday of another year. It's great to have you with us. We're starting a new series today on the book of Philippians. So we're just going to get right in there. If you turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 and, and verse 1. See, the cell was dark. It's just unbearably cold with little water. So many of us were squeezed into such a small space and the stench of urine was just everywhere. Sleep was almost impossible, but the waking hours were, were, were even more unbearable. So sleep was the only relief that I got. My wounds were still oozing blood from the, the flogging that I had received, but bizarrely that the pain in my wrists and and arms and legs from the, the chains somehow helped to dull the throbbing from my back. And as I sat there, I, I just feel, felt humiliated, depressed. I just wanted it all to end. I'd, I'd, I'd had enough. And yet as I, as I watched, I could not help but notice a man who, who just looked different from, from other people. His face wasn't filled with rage or, or anger the ways in which other people were. He seemed at peace, almost joyful as he talked about a man called Jesus. And in the middle of that hellhole, he wrote these words. Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus in Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you through God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how you would feel if you'd been unjustly imprisoned. What sort of letters would you begin to write? If it was me, I guess the letters I would write would probably be filled with self-pity and a little bit of rage sort of sprinkled in. But Paul's letters are filled with joy and thanksgiving. He was able to rejoice despite his circumstances. And this letter begins with an introduction, as I guess all letters do. Paul was an apostle, Timothy, one of the local leaders in the church. But look how they describe themselves as slaves and servants. Now at first reading this may appear somewhat strange, but actually this is just how Jesus calls each one of us to live if we want to be great in the kingdom of God. In fact, listen to his words spoken in Mark chapter 10 verse 43. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. But he also uses another word in the introduction here, the word saint, to describe the Christians in Philippa that he's writing to, I guess also to describe himself as well, saints, holy people, a word not just reserved for extra special Christians but describes all true believers, anyone who puts their hope and their faith in God, who dedicates themselves to God's service, who's a friend of Jesus, has been made pure and holy by grace. That has been freely 
received from God through Jesus Christ. In fact, this is exactly how you should see yourself this morning. You've been made holy by Christ to live like Christ, to be slaves to others, slaves of God for the sake of God's glory. And weird as it may sound, you are both slave and yet saint. And even though these two things seem to be a contradiction one to the other, both are equally true. So at the beginning of a, of a new year, we often stop and ask ourselves questions. And perhaps a good question to start with is, is how do you see yourself? How do you view yourself? Do you see yourself as a servant of God, as a saint of God? Do you see your identity in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that's how God sees you and that's how you should see yourself. You are servants of God, saints of God, if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But perhaps another question that we we often ask ourselves at the beginning of a year, which also seems appropriate, is, is what are our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations for 2016? And perhaps the answer, or at least one of the answers to that question that we, I think, will all agree on, is that we hope for joy this year. 2016 would be a year just marked by joy. Joy in the Lord. Joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the bigger question, I guess, is how? Life's full of ups and downs, isn't it? How do we live this joy in Christ in all circumstances, as Paul was able to do? We've entitled this series, Running Into Joy. And for today, I'm just doing a quick overview. I want to run really quickly through the four chapters of Philippians just to give a quick summary. We're going to come back to it in a lot more detail as over the next few weeks and, and, and months. I wanted to give you four possible reasons that enables Paul to maintain joy. The first is this, the single mind. This is chapter one, the single mind. And Paul discusses his circumstances. In fact, he faces them very honestly. Paul, imprisoned, as we've already discussed, he's, he's, he's most likely imprisoned in Rome. And he's separated from the Philippians by quite a distance. But actually, there are other things that separate them as well. Race. Paul was a Jew. The, the, the Philippians are Gentiles. Also separated by time. It's been a great number of years since Paul has been able to visit the Christians in Philippi. In fact, he, he's been sometimes since he's seen them face to face. The fourth thing that separates them is status. Paul was a great apostle from a wealthy Pharisee family. And they were actually very ordinary Christians, from many of them from very humble backgrounds. And at first glance, they have got very little in common. But the remarkable thing here is that God has joined them together in a miraculous way through the gospel. They had true fellowship with one another and they united themselves in a shared identity that made them partners in a shared purpose. One of our values here at Freedom Church is that we value everyone irrespective of their differences. And we come from many different backgrounds. We, in many ways, are a diverse group of people. Just have a look around. We've come from different situations, different backgrounds. And God has called us together 
And although we've got a huge amount in common, there are also many things that we will not agree on. It may be political, it may be 101 different things, but actually welcome to church. Unity is, does not mean that we all have to think the same way or behave in exactly the same way. The gospel is for everyone, irrespective of our differences, irrespective of our nationality, our skin colour, our age, our gender, our sexuality, our social background, our education ability. We, we must reflect that in the way in which we love and care for, for one another. That means that actually we end up with close friendships with people who, apart from the gospel, we would never normally either know or maybe even care for. At Freedom Church, everyone is welcome. This means, of course, that we are not going to compromise on God's word. God's word is central to our faith, central to moving forward. But as we value God's word, it means that we allow God's word and the Holy Spirit to shape us so that we may grow in Christ and more like Christ, that we may grow also in love and compassion for one another to care and to value people irrespective of their differences. And together, together we can run into joy. But as we get into chapter one, we will see that Paul's circumstances cannot rob him of his joy because he's not living to enjoy his circumstances. He is living to serve and to enjoy Jesus Christ. The word Christ here is mentioned something like 18 times in Philippians chapter one. And Paul is a man with a purpose. He does not look at the circumstances in isolation, but rather in relationship to Jesus. So he's not a prisoner in Rome. He is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He is not facing a civil trial. He is set for the defence of the gospel. So he did not look at Christ through his circumstances. He looks at his circumstances through Christ. Actually, just as Mary did. Remember, just before Christmas, we talked in Mary's song about how Mary looked at her life situation through the lens of Scripture. So does Paul. And that changes everything. To be single-minded is to put Jesus first. It is to be gospel-minded. And the reason why so many Christians can, can sometimes get so upset by their circumstances is because that they do not cultivate the single mind in Jesus Christ. In fact, James says a double-minded person is unstable in all that they do. That's James chapter 1 and verse 8. But with a single-minded devotion to Christ... We can say, along with Paul, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So Paul rejoices in his difficult situation because through them, they help to strengthen his fellowship with other Christians. They give him opportunities to lead people to meet the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves. They also enable him to defend the gospel in a place that he would never have been apart from this persecution, apart from these difficulties before the courts in Rome. And Paul sees his circumstances as opportunities to bring glory to God. One of our values is that we are outward looking with compassion for Chester. You know, the amazing thing is that God chooses to use us as part of his redemptive plan. Sometimes seems flawed, doesn't it? But, but God chooses to use you 
as part of his plan to reach people for himself. Jesus simply tells us in the Bible to go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, churches can so quickly and so easily begin to look inwards, and, but we are commanded to look outwards, led by God's word and the Holy Spirit to have love and compassion for the city of Chester. I worry sometimes that we, over the last... 12 months have begun to look a little bit too inward. We need to redirect our gaze to keep looking out, to keep seeing the need, to keep reaching the, and loving the communities and the city in which we live. To bring a message of grace, of hope, of freedom. To do our part in reaching the city, to plant churches beyond the walls of the city. Listen, when we are single-minded... In Christ, it will mean our circumstances will begin to work for us rather than against us. And our aim in working together for the gospel is to be outward looking to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to others. And through that, then we will find a fellowship of sacrificial love, actually, that will fill us with joy. You know, for many Christians, sometimes their happiest times have been when they have gone on mission or gone some sort of youth camp. And just served God together for the sake of the gospel. I can think back to times when I've gone on beach missions and various other, um, maybe for a week or, or two weeks. And just together as we serve God, as we proclaim the gospel, has been just a wonderful sense of joy as we work together for the, the building of God's kingdom. And my prayer is that this year we would experience something of that, that same joy in united service as we seek to build God's kingdom here in Chester. The second thing that Paul suggests to help us to maintain joy is the submissive mind. This is chapter two, quick summary. This chapter focuses on people Perhaps the key verse here is do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself. Chapter 2, verse 3. If chapter 1 is putting Christ first, chapter 2 is putting others second. If we do the mathematics, we're third. We're last. The reason why perhaps some people get irritated or why even they irritate us is because we want our own way because we think we should be first the story is told of a mother and a son who went up on an elevator to go to the doctor's surgery on the second floor another group of people got in one of them was a rather larger woman and as the elevator moved up the quietness was broken by a scream from the rather plump lady she turned to the mother of the son and said your son bit my bum the mother was horrified but the little boy explained she squashed my face so i bit her and what happened in that elevator takes place all over the world. People and nations getting squashed, getting sat upon, and they bite back and they react. And what happens is life becomes a constant battle. But listen for the Christian with the submissive mind, they live differently. They serve 
others. They consider the good in others to be more important than his own plans or his own desires. They put other people first. Again, linking into one of our, our values here in, in freedom. We said we need to encourage everyone to grow in faith, developing the gifts and talents God has given us. And this starts really with making sure other people are, are put first. Listen, God has given us many different abilities, different people with different skills, different abilities. And we need to use them for God's glory. But also we need to be encouraging others to grow in these gifts, to grow in their faith. There are, of course, two sides to that. One of them is being teachable. It means that we never stop learning. We need to be the people that God has made us to be. Listen, there's no point in, in trying to, to look or to become like somebody else's gift or trying to do something, you know, you sort of look and think, I wish I could do what they could do. Listen, God has made you in a special way to and gifted you in special things. Explore what God wants you to do and what you wants you to be, to be the person that he has called you to be. But together... We want to see people grow in faith, to develop their God-given talents. But we need to be hungry to grow, to desire the spiritual gifts. But the other side of this coin is to be teaching others. And we need to know how to encourage other people to see them mature. And this simply means putting others' needs before our own needs. It means encouraging them. Listen, the gift of encouragement sometimes is highly underrated. We believe that God has called us to, to plant more churches. We believe that God's called us for to, to, to reach into the community. We need more people to step up into levels of responsibility. Church leaders, pastors, teachers, worship leaders, and so much more. We want to see people grow into these positions. We need to be encouraging and building one another up. Men mentoring men, equipping men, seeing them grow in faith, good accountability in place. Women getting alongside other women, encouraging them, developing in them in their gifts, encouraging one another to excel in all that God has got for us and what God wants us to do. The third thought is this, in terms of maintaining joy, this is chapter 3, the spiritual mind. In the majority of people's minds are more likely on earthly things, but the spiritual person's mind is on heavenly things. See, our citizenship is not in heaven, but we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians 3 and verse 20. And the person with a spiritual mind looks on the things of this world from a heavenly perspective, from a heavenly viewpoint, and that makes an incredible difference. So when tragedies come and difficulties come into our lives, we see things as God sees them. <coughs> In the last century, the story Many of you may know of five missionaries who go out to Ecuador and there they are martyred for their faith. A story made better known because of the wife of one of them, Jim Elliot's wife, wrote many books after her husband lost his life out there. At the time, newspapers and magazines considered this tragedy to be simply a waste of life. And while it did bring obviously a great deal of sorrow and grief to the family and friends, subsequent events have proved that their deaths were neither wasted, either for them or for this world. The words of Jim Elliot, 
perhaps sum it up most beautifully and are still true today. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The trouble is for most of us, we spend life searching or desiring things, possessions, money, bigger houses, nicer cars. And we think that's going to bring us joy. The trouble is it doesn't seem to. It seems to rob us of joy, if anything. And that includes Christians. You know, the best way to victory and to joy is to have a spiritual mind, to, to look at things from God's perspective, from God's viewpoint. And we need, we will see as we get into chapter three, we will see that we need to be accountants with the right values, athletes with the right goals, aliens with the right vision. I'm not talking about Martians, of course. I'm talking about people. This, this world is not our home. Aliens in a foreign place with the right vision. Paul says, I count, I press, I look towards joy in Christ. Okay, another one of our values is this commitment to working together to build the kingdom of God. You know, as a church plant, we are committed to working together, both as individuals, but also as part of the wider body of Christ. Our aim from the very start has always been a desire to build God's kingdom, not just another church. You know, the best and the most effective way for this to be done is if we work together. One of the great phrases from New Frontiers is that we can do more together than we can do apart. And we are committed to working together to build God's kingdom here in Chester. The final thought of this from Philippians chapter 4. To maintaining joy is the secure mind. If we have a single mind, a submissive mind, a spiritual mind, then we, are, we, we shouldn't have too much trouble with a secure mind. We should be able to deal with the worries of this world. Worry is actually just a wrong way of thinking or a wrong feeling about circumstances, people or things. But we need to guard our minds and our hearts so that worries do not get in. And Paul describes what a secure mind looks like in, in chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in chapter 4, it describes the spiritual resources that believer has in Christ. God's peace, God's power, God's provision. Listen, with resources like these, what on earth have we got to worry about? And Paul in this chapter will teach us some of the secrets to victory over worry, but also the release of joy into our lives. And guys, we have a generous God. A generous God. A God whose resources are beyond any of our imagination. Resources that are absolutely unlimited. But as God gives, and he does, he also calls us to be generous. As his followers. Again, another of our values is to be generous in everything. And as a church, I pray that we become known for our generosity in everything that we do. It involves money, it involves time, it involves our attitudes, but generosity should come from the very heart that loves Jesus. It is worshipping him. And worship and giving are intrinsically linked. So, how does that look? 
Well, giving should be done with joy. It's not reluctance, but cheerfully and generously. It honours God when we give to him. What you do with your money shows a lot about where your heart really lies. What you do with your time says a lot about what you really think is important. And if we are Christ-centred, if Jesus Christ is everything to us, we will want to give generously into the work of God, into the kingdom of God. At Freedom Church, we believe that true freedom comes through faith in Jesus. Freedom to live, but with freedom comes responsibility as well. So our vision here is to see lives transformed by the gospel through planting churches. We are part of a family of churches called Christ Central Churches. It's part of a wider group of New Frontiers churches who work together under the apostolic leadership of Jeremy Simpkins and his team. I pray, I hope we are what it says on the tin, Christ-centred. We value God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit, that we truly are a prophetic people. One of our last values is this, that we, we do this and explore this in a creative way. Creatively reflecting God's best in everything that we do. This came from a prophetic picture before we even moved to Chester here of a hand-drawn airplane. Not made from a stencil that had gone before, but a new creative expression that broke away from the mould. Listen, creativity is the very heartbeat of God. God-given gift. And we are made in the image of God. God is a creative God. Within each one of us, is this creative flair that we should be using for God's glory, whether it be art or music, whether it be the work that we do, whether it be the different hobbies and activities that we get involved in, but we do it in order to honour God. And part of that is what we do as a church together. We are to be people who enjoy beauty and creativity in others, but also learn to think and to approach life with a freshness and a creative attitude as we live out the gospel in practical ways. But I finish with just the question we started with. What are your hopes for 2016? What are your prayers? My prayer for each one of us is this year will be marked by joy. Joy in Christ. Joyful because of what Christ has done for us. Listen, we want to keep Christ central in everything that we do. He is everything to us. He's given everything for us. It's my prayer. Father, may this year just be marked by joy and by hope in you.